0: We just spent uh, several days in Chicago with our daughter, Maria, our son-in-law, Brian, and our three grandchildren, Eric, Annalisa, and Kaisa. Uh, The oldest, Eric, has started to uh, shoot baskets at a park a couple of blocks from uh, their home. And I went along and shot some hoops with him. Once in a while, I put the ball in. Most of the time, I didn't. I'd grab the rebound and I'd shout, do-over. And then I'd put it up again, and the ball would bounce off the rim or it would completely miss the basket. And Eric and his dad would keep tossing me the basketball until at last the old man put one in. Lots of do-overs and lots of fun. Of course, real basketball doesn't work that way, nor does life. I think that uh, most of us would like to have a do-over for something that went sideways in our life, something that didn't turn out the way we expected. And we'd like to take another shot or catch the ball that we dropped, take another shot, and things might turn out differently. Maybe it was a test you failed, or an interview that didn't go well. Maybe you said something or did something that now you wish you could unsay and undo. Something you regret, something you can't change no matter how hard you try. Maybe you hurt someone you love and you didn't know it until you saw their tears rolling down their face. And by then it was too late. Like Nicodemus, we ask, how can anyone, having grown old, start all over again? Most of the time, there are no do-overs. We hit the wall of what might have been of what we could have done, but didn't do, and we can't retrace our steps. In the movie On the Waterfront, Marlon Brando plays a washed-up boxer named Terry Malloy. And Terry tells his brother Charlie, you don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am, let's face it. Life doesn't offer lots of do-overs, or so we are told. In practice, maybe, but not in the game. In her book, Hallelujah Anyway, Recovering Mercy, Anne Lamott says, Being alive here on earth has always been a mixed grill at best. Lovely, hard, and confusing. God and bad things, good and bad things, happen to good and bad people. That's not much of a system, she says. A better one would be a silverware drawer for joy, sorrows, doldrums, madness, ease. But no, Eden explodes, and we enter a dangerous, terrifying world, the same place where goodness, love, and kind intelligence lift us so often. The world, Lamont reminds us, has an awful beauty, and it's full of chaos. In such a world, there are not many do-overs, just lots of regrets and broken hearts. Very few second chances, and not much mercy in a merciless world. Looking at the story of the raising of Lazarus, Lamotte reminds us that Jesus took his sweet time and showed up too late to keep Lazarus from dying. And Mary and Martha are devastated. No do-overs after death. Lamont says, I'm with the sisters here and all inconsolable believers. If Jesus were sitting here with me, she writes, I would say to him, don't get me started. She quotes Orson Welles. If you want a happy ending, that depends, of course, on where you stop your story. So we come to the Apostle Paul in today's text from Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. And it is the story of God's big do-over. God decides where to stop the story. And what we think is the end turns out to be just the beginning. Paul puts the whole mess of a broken humanity with no do-overs, into a larger story where Jesus throws the ball back to us with a smile and says, take another shot. For while we were still weak, Paul writes, at the right time, and the word is kairos, in the fullness of time, in God's time, God's vertical time that intersects our horizontal time of beginnings and endings, and blows it all apart. God's big do-over begins with the incarnation, God's recreation. In Jesus, God shows up. God shows up. In Jesus, God shows up and tosses the ball. There's still time. Again, Paul, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ gave his life for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, didn't give up on us, didn't shake his head and walk away. Verse 12, and here is the big do-over. Just as sin came into the world through one man, And this is a rabbinic reference by Paul uh, to Adam in the Genesis story. Adam, humankind. Just as sin came into the world through one man, with sin and broken relationships, uh, but if death and chaos came through one, Paul says, The grace and mercy of God came through another, came through Jesus Christ for all. In chapter 8, Paul picks up the thought, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And he asks, if God is for us, who is against us? Nothing, no one can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or, put simply, where Adam failed, Christ prevailed. Where Adam failed, Christ prevailed. That is God's big do-over. It's what Irenaeus, an early Christian with a sharp wit and a devastating turn of phrase called the recapitulation, the duo over of Adam in Christ, the recreation of a broken, messed up world through the incarnation of God in the flesh and bones of our humanity and death and resurrection. All was not lost. You can start all over again. What was... No longer determines what is or what will be. No more dead ends. Do you see the big picture here? In Christ, the image and likeness of God, of a merciful and loving God, is uncovered, reclaimed. And in Christ, we see what we were created to be, recklessly loving, recklessly forgiving, recklessly merciful, recklessly hopeful, recklessly grateful, recklessly trusting, and recklessly just like the lost son in Jesus' parable who went to a far country and found himself. So we find ourselves. And we remember who we are, who we were created to be, and what is lost is found. That is the big do-over. You can put aside everything else. That's what matters. It's a fitting story for this Trinity Sunday. God the Creator, God the Redeemer, God the Spirit of Truth are all at work in the big do-over. In John 16, Jesus gives his disciples a a glimpse of what is coming. I still have many things to tell you, he said. But you cannot bear them now. You cannot carry them now. It's just too much for you. But trust me, something really big is coming that's going to change everything, and the Spirit will make things clear to you in good time. So, what does this have to do with you and me? It's a big story. God imagines everything, makes it, and it's good. But it doesn't stay good. Left to themselves, human beings are beautiful and ugly. They are wonderful and terrible. They are selfless and very selfish. They are loving but capable of doing the most horrible things to one another. So the God who imagined us decided to show up, to remind us of who we are, who we really are, who we were created to be. And in the most unexpected way, show us that the big do-over begins not with keeping our life, but losing it. Not by... Holding on, but by letting go. Letting go of all our control. Not by taking, but by giving. Not with fear, but with hope. And with love. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, that glimpse of God's big do-over is among you and within you and being revealed to the world, a world that gives no second chances. Without the big do-over, a fatalistic inevitability is put in motion. A sense of resignation and futility sets in, and you watch it happen. And everyone in this broken world plays their part like actors reading their lines in a story no one wanted to be in. Conflict is inevitable. Stubborn convictions replace truth spoken in love. Being right becomes more important than mercy and forgiveness. And trying not to die replaces the reckless freedom of death and resurrection. Let us not forget the backdrop for all of us, for everything, including the conflict in our denomination right now, is the big do-over. And because of the big do-over, anything can happen. Just because something has not been does not mean that by the grace of God it cannot be. And just because something has always been, does not mean it always must be. Through the Spirit, Paul and Peter broke down walls because the gospel of the big do-over was for everyone. Not just for some, but for everyone. The irony is, the harder we try to control the outcome, the more likely God will pry our hands loose from the steering wheel. When I was in seminary, <clears throat> I took biblical Greek. It was one of, my, one of the most terrifying experiences of my academic career. Uh, our professor was known for his merciless expectations. He wanted results, not excuses. And when I took my Greek final, I came across a text I could not translate. I I just, I got stuck. And I panicked. And I started thinking, if I don't, Pass this test, then I won't graduate from seminary. And if I don't graduate from seminary, then I can't be a pastor. And if I can't be, if I'm not a pastor, then all the people from First Covenant Church who sent me to seminary are going to wonder what happened to me. It just went out of control. And um, I thought and I knew there would be no second chances, no do overs. I looked up at the clock on the wall and the minute hand was moving like the second hand. And I was running out of time. And our professor, Klein Snodgrass, came in to check on us. How you doing? He asked me. I showed him where I was stuck and he said, just a minute, I'm gonna check with the rest of the class. So he went around and talked to everybody else in in the class. And it turns out, they were all stuck in the same place. He had given us complex forms and words we had never seen. And so he told everyone, he told us, to look in our lexicons, and we could use that as a resource to finish the test. And then he came back to me. And he said to me, When I came in here, you look like the walls are caving in on you. <laughs> I said, They were. They are. Well, then, he said, We'll just push them back. Push them back. You take your time, take whatever time you need. I did. Not exactly a do over, but it was close to it. What seems inevitable and discouraging, even hopeless for us, is not inevitable for God, the God of mercy, the God of second chances, and third chances, and fourth chances, and fifth chances, the God of the big do over. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we read in 1 Peter 1. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope, beginnings without end through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is only for us to let go, to trust him, and to follow him. And to know that with God, even what seems unlikely can happen. Thank Thanks be to God. Thank you. Amen.